Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. You can find information about me and my work as an intuitive and teacher at karenhager.com. And if you follow Fog City Psychic on Instagram, you'll get out of the Fog podcast news, photos of Maisie the puppy coming up soon. Maisie visits the lighthouse. I'm just telling you, and a glimpse at what's on my jigsaw puzzle board at any given moment. Now then, if you're feeling too stressed out to meditate, if you're feeling torn between trying to stay sane and trying to keep up with what's happening in the world, I'd love for you to meet my guest today. Philip Goldberg is here, and he says that when the world gets chaotic, when it's confounding, we need spiritual practice more than ever. He's here to share some tools that you can use to access peace and strength within you at a moment's notice in whatever time you have. Are you ready to meet him? Philip Goldberg has been studying the world's spiritual traditions for more than 45 years. He's the author or co-author of some 25 books published in more than a dozen languages. His book, American Veda, was named by Huffington Post and Library Journal as one of the top 10 religion books of 2010, and it was followed in 2018 by the popular biography, The Life of Yogananda. Phil blogs on spirituality and health and co-hosts the Spirit Matters podcast. We'll be talking today about his book, Spiritual Practice for Crazy Times. You can find out more about Phil and his work at philipgoldberg.com. Phil, welcome to Out of the Fog. Good to be with you, Karen. I'm very glad you're here. So there's, there's so much going on. We are in an, when I say we, I mean me too, we're in an overload of information. It feels like crazy time out there. You talk in your book about spiritual sanity. What does that even mean? And how can we stay sane when it's just wacky time all around us? <laughs> well, that's what the whole book is about. And uh, people, people often think I, I wrote it recently, but I actually started writing it pre-pandemic and, you know, things were crazy then, and then they just got crazier and crazier. <laughs> um, and, but when you think about it, life can be crazy at any time in our lives, even in, when there's relative uh, peace and tranquility in the larger sense of the, of the uh, landscape. In any individual's life, things can erupt. That's the nature of being a human being uh, on the planet at this time. It's, there's always going to be possibility of difficulties and challenges and upheavals and loss and defeat and, yeah. and uh, disappointment. And so the stuff in the book for any of us is relevant at any time. But as you said, there's times when collectively things uh, are totally out of whack and it just seems every time you turn on the TV or the newspaper, there's something else to be worried about or outraged about. And that just makes those of us who are on a spiritual path, it, ju it just makes our spiritual work 
somewhat more challenging, but no less important, in fact, even more important, more important that we retain our connection to spirit and access the, what I call the sanctuary of peace within us and do so on a regular basis, not just for ourselves and our own sanity, our own well-being, but so that we can act more effectively in the world and be of use to others who may not have the skills and the perspective that we do. We're, I think, called upon in these times to um, not only protect ourselves, but to ground ourselves in spirit so we can uh, make a, a contribution to the world and help others maintain their sanity. Mm. And you're reminding me of that truth that that spiritual practice isn't uh, an indulgence. It's not something we do um, in our spare time. It's not only for us that spiritual practice is service. And the fruit of spiritual practice can be seen not just in our own personal development, but in the world. Yes, and in our actions toward others and our ability to bring, uh, as you put it, the fruits of the spirit into the world to our loved ones, the people around us as much as we can. Um, but what you said that spiritual practice is not an indulgence, not a luxury. Uh, that's one of the reasons I wrote the book because I, I kept finding people who would say, oh, things are too crazy. I, I don't have, uh, I, I'm too nuts. It's too stressful for me to do my regular spiritual practice. And then other people would say, the world is calling me to action. I need to do something to, to contribute and help the world so I don't have time to meditate or pray or do whatever practices they have. And it was those two reactions that made me think, you know, I got to do something. I have to offer something because it's the exact opposite that's true. When life is crazy and uh, in turmoil and so forth, it's not that you say, oh, well, you know, uh, it's, it's too stressful or too um, busy. To meditate that's when you need it the most that's when it serves you in the most dramatic way it's like you know you don't wait until you're clean in order to take a shower you you do it when you when you need a shower <laughs> and when we're stressed when we're stressed out and you know, the mind and, and soul are, you know, in turmoil, that's when you need these practices. That's when you need to regain the inner stability and inner peace that these practices offer. It's not a luxury to be, you know, just indulge when you have the time. Yes, that's also part of the path if we're lucky enough to have, you know, a weekend to go on retreat and a, you know, a peaceful life where we can cultivate our practices on a 
you know, sustainable basis, that's great. But when things are tough, you know, it doesn't mean, you know, we, we abandon these things. It means, you know, we, we hold them even more precious because that's where you're going to get the relief. That's where you're going to get the, you're going to restore your soul. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, and the other piece about needing to be uh, engaged in the world and busy and, you know, to, to make a contribution, if you don't protect your inner life, you, you're risking, you know, what professionals call compassion burnout. So busy being of service, so busy focused on healing others and doing good in the world that you don't protect yourself. And then you lose the ability to help others because you're burned out and you're exhausted and you're under stress or you're sick and then you need help. Um, so for both those reasons, spiritual practice, effective spiritual practice. And I, and I emphasize that because, you know, there's a huge range of uh, practices that come under that heading of spiritual practice. And some are deep and powerful and some are less so. Mm -hmm. So when we find practices that work for us consistently, there's nothing more precious. And doing it regularly from uh, thin, thick or thin, we owe that to ourselves and to the people we care about. And it can become a something we love, something we look forward to, something that I would call like a, a, a touchstone. Every yeah. day, no matter what's going to happen, I have this moment, this time. You know, I started, I have a regular meditation practice. I'm going to give away my age now. But it was 1968, in the midst of what was then the craziest time anybody could remember. Hmm. Uh, and so those of us who are old enough to remember the late 60s know that crazy times have been not unprecedented by any means. And I was a mess. Um, but when I discovered meditation, um, I immediately found tremendous benefit and it was transformative. And so I knew fairly quickly within weeks that this is something I should do regularly. This is valuable. This is you know, the spiritual equivalent of you know, brushing my teeth every day. This has to be a regular part of my life. And I was lucky because in those days I had no responsibility <laughs> or very little. And so I could make the time. But once I established that, once I saw the truth of that, it became the only consistent thing in my life as a young man for many, many years. No matter what, no matter where I was, no matter what was going on, I would find a way to do my practice. And that sustained me through a lot of crazy times and difficulties. And then when life got better and uh, I did have more responsibility, by then I had learned that lesson well. And it's been a regular part of my life ever since. For listeners who are maybe feeling, hmm, 
I can't catch my breath. Every moment is packed full. I don't know. I know I have an inner life and I know I should be doing spiritual practice. I can't imagine how to begin. How can we begin? Well, if they don't have effective spiritual practices, the way to begin is to find one. Yeah. Find two, find three. Um, and these days, it is so easy with our access to all the world's spiritual traditions online, with access to uh, videos and recordings, with access to online courses and wise people, on, you know, it's very easy to find good spiritual practice. I would always suggest to people that they talk to the, the people they know. What are your practices? What do you do? Where can I learn that? But the one thing I would caution against is um, because of that easy access that we have, because of um, the great variety that we can draw from, it can be confusing. It's not like you live in a village and your spiritual life depends on who happens to be the local guru or something or the local minister. Um, you have to be discerning. You have to find the, the practices that work. And, and I, I'm a big believer in proper instruction and not uh, the easy way out. Not every recorded guided meditation is as effective as, as the other. And I, I believe in spiritual self-sufficiency. So I would look for practices that don't require the presence of a teacher on an ongoing basis. I'm a big believer in getting expert instruction from well-trained, qualified people with a proven track record. But the instruction should be in practices that you can then do on your own. Because otherwise it's hard to be regular with these things. If, if you're depending on you know, access to somebody else. So reliable teachers, preferably from a, a proven lineage with a track record. There's a great deal of research out now that people can you know, bank on, but just find a practice that takes you inward to the source of peace and stability and strength that we all have within us, something deep, and experiment. See where what you find. See what works, and don't just be cavalier about it. Do something that's if it seems promising. If it comes well recommended, do it for a while. See if it if it holds up in your life, and uh, give it a chance. You try different methods. There's a great variety in, in my book, In Spiritual Practice for Crazy Times, I, I have a lot about deep meditation because I think that's a sort of centerpiece of, uh, of a good repertoire. And then I have all kinds of other things and I, I encourage people to build a kind of inventory, like filling a pantry <laughs> with practices that you can then draw from. You may have one central practice, it's usually a deep meditative practice, and that may be the consistent thing. 
then there's other things that you can you know, add to your routine before meditation, after meditation, during the day, when you have two minutes, when you have 10 minutes. Uh, and I have guidelines for, for doing all that in, in the book. Um, but why not have a repertoire? And at the same time, something or some things that are that prove to be effective in your life that you can do on a, on a regular ongoing basis. So there's consistency and also flexibility and variety. You're oh, it's a fantastic answer. And your book, this book is a good place to start because you lay out in a, in a wise and practical way, things for us to consider things that we can do. You know, I love the practical stuff and, and the book is like, kind of like the user's manual to that pantry that we're putting together. What if I got a little bit of this and a little bit of this and just had that on the shelf ready um, for when I need it. And of course we, we always need it. At least it seems that way to me. You're listening to out of the fog and I'm talking with Phil Goldberg. His new book is, well, I don't know if it's his, is this your newest book? It is the latest. I'm working on a, a few that will come out uh, in the future, but yes, that was the last published book. Ah, so I'll say your new book with more to come is Spiritual Practice for Crazy Times, Powerful Tools to Cultivate Calm, Clarity, and Courage. Find out more about Philip and his work at philipgoldberg.com. That's philipgoldberg.com. With one L. Philip with one L, Goldberg with an E, (laughs) (laughs) dot com, philipgoldberg.com. So as we are putting together that inventory, as we're building from that deep meditative practice and then building a, a library of other spiritual practices, do you mind sharing what other practices work for you? Yeah. Um, you know, over time, I found that I learned things here and there. I still do the same meditative practice that I learned in 1968. It's, it's been the centerpiece when I, I learned uh, transcendental meditation and I became a teacher of that and you know, got uh, advanced further techniques and methods through that lineage. Um, and that's been the centerpiece. But over time, I, you know, I developed other things that met my, my spiritual needs and my health needs. So um, I have a, a, a repertoire of yoga practices physical practices that I'll often do before I meditate, sometimes just, you know, when I, as needed, you know, in the midst of a, of a day. I have a number of breathing practices to choose from that I've acquired over the years. And I, 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 I would just put in a good word for uh, the sequence of uh, that begins with physical practice, moves on to breathing practice, and then moves on to uh, meditative practice. That's a very traditional sequence of uh, reducing the stress and uh, tension and busy brain, mm-hmm. first physically, then through breath, then meditate. Um, and so there's 
variations of those that I do. And then, you know, I have uh, a chanting practices that I like, you know, mantra-based and others that um, I often do after meditation, uh, prayer or the equivalent affirmation type of things, traditional uh, and, uh, and things that just occurred to me on the spot, devotional kind of practices. And then there's, you know, um, things that you wouldn't necessarily think of as spiritual practices, but that are just good for us in, in terms of maintaining balance and harmony in our lives and can be considered spiritual practices if we make them that. Mm. So this morning, for example, I took a nice walk in the woods. Now, you could take a walk in the woods just to get exercise or to walk your dog or whatever. You can also take the same walk in the woods and think of it as a spiritual practice. It depends on your frame of mind. And, you know, that kind of thing, music, art, company of love people you love all these things that we often take for granted but that we know enrich our lives those are spiritual practices you know why wouldn't they be hmm. you know playing with children I, I i used to take walks when i lived in la near a park where there were always children playing i just loved watching the innocent little humans and and it's spiritually uplifting so there's many many things we can do that feed the spirit and bring us back to some inner harmony and balance in our lives and some of them don't take very long it doesn't take very long to you know just say you know what i need a break i'm going to put on a song but this particular song just moves me deeply or it just brings me a sense of peace. That's a spiritual practice. It doesn't have to be a, a hymn or a, you know, a traditional so-called spiritual song. It could be rock and roll, it could be the blues, it could be jazz, it could be anything. But if it uplifts your soul, it becomes a spiritual practice in that moment. So we need to tune in to what we need at any time. And at the same time, have you know a, a practice that or set of practices that we commit to, come rain or shine, that, that that's going to be the beginning point of every day. And, uh, you know, there's an old saying, uh, old joke about the um, tourist in New York who, who said, asked somebody on the street, how do I get to Carnegie Hall? And the answer is practice, practice, practice. And so the, the best way to establish a regular spiritual practice is to practice <laughs> and find the ones that appeal to you. So it won't be a chore or a, a, a responsibility in a you know, heavy way. It becomes sustenance. It's like taking a shower, a spiritual shower, or you know, playing music, or whatever it happens to be. It sustained. And it seems to me it's one of the most deeply loving things we can do for ourselves. One of the most, um, even if we're in the middle of a busy day, it's one of the most intimate 
connections we can have between ourselves and spirit or source or whatever word you use and the busy outer world. There's something about that loving, mm, sacred space that stands in opposition to a lot of the contrast and shouting and madness that we tend to focus on when we are not balanced, when we're not following a spiritual practice. Do you know what I mean? Oh, of course. That's exactly right. That's exactly what I say. And it's, it's, it's healing. It's, it's an antidote to all the madness. But it's also a grounding to prevent the madness from penetrating too deeply. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have a regular spiritual practice, practice that one that brings you in touch with the silent source of peace within you, you know, some of that stays with you. And over time, you find it's a lot easier to return to that, a lot easier to over, to get over the turmoil when it hits you than it used to be before you had the practice. And that there's great body of research to um, validate that that people who have a regular meditative practice over time become much more resilient. They recover more quickly when they um, encounter highly stressful situations and they're less likely to lose it entirely, more likely to sustain some level of presence and clarity even in the midst of it. And, you know, that's a gradual thing, but sometimes people notice that right away. And, you know, so these, these practices, when they're deep and powerful, they have a, a long-term effect uh, that, that accumulates. It's not just in the moment. And what you said about it being a loving thing to do, it's not just a loving thing to give to ourselves. It's a loving thing to give to others because yes. the more peaceful we are within the, the more we can give to other people, the people around us and help them deal with madness too. You talk in the book about the spiritual two-step. I think that's what you're saying right now, right? Yes, I meant spiritual two-step in a, in a more intentional way. Right now, I, I, what I just said, I was thinking, well, if you, if you have a certain stability and, and peace within and then you encounter somebody who's going through hell, you know, difficulty, mm-hmm. just your peaceful presence is, is a gift to that person. You're more likely to be able to think of the right thing to say and do. But that's part of the spiritual two-step is going within, connecting to that sanctuary of peace and that, that fortress of strength within us. And then coming out with the intention of doing something good for the, for others and the world. You know, not everybody is going to be a, a, a an advocate for social change or justice or you know political uh, action or anything like that. Those who do are you know their blessings for the rest of us. But some of us, you know, do what we do on a very limited and local level. But it's just as important, just as important to to help our family and our neighbors and our local community as you know people in need, especially. 
Uh, and we can do that more effectively if we have uh, effective spiritual practices to draw from. I know I see, I see our time running away from us and, and I'm wondering what you might share with listeners that you most want them to know about spiritual practice during crazy times. I would say it's very important to be discerning and find practices that work for you. And the, what are the criteria for that? Do you feel more peaceful, more at ease, more clear in the mind, more open in the heart when you do the practice? And to do it regularly, to make a commitment to yourself and to those you care about that you are not going to stray too far from the peaceful sanctuary that you have at the core of your being. And to remember that. Remember, you know, we're not just these people flailing about trying to figure out how to, you know, navigate human life. We are deep within ourselves, uh, pure spirit. And that, that is accompanied or, or is characterized by uh, peace and wisdom and joy and love. And that's our right to access that. We don't have to wait till we're clean to take the shower. We don't have to wait till we've <laughs> mastered something or we can levitate just by thinking about it. It's, it's our right to step into this, to access this right now. We don't have to wait. And the access we have to these practices is one of the great blessings of modern life. Crazy yes. as modern life is, there's also that. Yeah. That we have access to these solutions and antidotes that have been proven over the centuries to have the power. Phil, thank you so much for talking with me. I I feel like we're we could have talked we could have talked much longer. I feel like it's the beginning of a longer conversation. Thank you for taking time. Well, happy to come back anytime. Thanks for having me, Karen. You're it's welcome anytime. Thank you. That is uh, Philip Goldberg. We were talking about his book, Spiritual Practice for Crazy Times, Powerful Tools to Cultivate Calm, Clarity, and Courage. I recommend this because it's it's practical, it is actionable, and you can feel, I shouldn't say you can feel, I can feel the heart behind the words. And so I recommend this to your attention. And of course, you can also find uh, Phil at, as host of the Spirit Matters podcast, which I think is where I discovered you. Um, ah, that's a oh, that's a wonderful romp through all all kinds of things. So check out the Spirit Matters podcast. All things Philip Goldberg are at philipgoldberg.com. That's Philip with one L, Goldberg with an E at the end, philipgoldberg.com. And you're always welcome over at karenhager.com. It's a great place to find out about upcoming classes and events. And you can even book a private intuitive 
session with me there if you are so inclined. You can follow Fog City Psychic on Instagram for podcast goodies and Maisie the Puppy Wonderment and Jigsaw Puzzle Delight and who knows what else you might find there. You know that thing where your social media is supposed to be like all, it's all supposed to be the same. It's all supposed to be blue and it's only supposed to be pictures of cantaloupe or whatever it is. I just am not doing that right. So at Fog, if you follow Fog City Psychic on Instagram, go see what eclectic nonsense I'm putting up there. And thank you for listening today. Together, we are spreading a little more light in the world. And a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. <laughs>